Yeah. And then one of my favorite things about house hacking is it basically eliminates or drastically reduces your living expenses. So it sets you up personally to be able to take more financial risk and to be in a better financial situation. And so the time that we lived there, I think we had to pay about $50 a month uh, towards our like overall payment, you know, mortgage taxes, insurance. And so to not have to pay a thousand dollars in rent or 1500 to a mortgage or something that set us up really well that we can then go grow a portfolio. Welcome to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Travis Murphy, your host of the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. I'm really excited about today's show. We've got a jam-packed episode. Lauren and Kyle Clugston of Rentals to Wealth are gonna join us. They are a rock star husband and wife real estate investing duo. And we cover pretty much every topic you can imagine in real estate investing. A lot of good stuff in this episode. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody to hit the subscribe button if you're listening to the podcast. And if you've been enjoying the show so far, please leave us a review and rating. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And go check out theinvestnest.com. We got a lot of cool content there. You can create your own investor profile and network with the other members. So go check that out as well. All right, and I am super excited to have Lauren and Kyle Clugston join the show today. Many of you may know them. They are with Rentals to Wealth, documenting their journey in, into real estate investing. So uh, we'll let them tell, tell us a little bit about what they've got going on. Lauren, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, so yeah. excited to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Me too. I'm really, I've been looking forward to this podcast. From what I've seen you guys do online, you're, you're, you're taking all the right steps, taking all the right action. And it looks to be very successful. So I think many of our listeners will get a lot out of this podcast. And, uh, but for those that don't know about you guys and don't know what you're doing, you know, could you tell us a little bit about the type of investing you guys do and, and where you are in that journey? Yeah. So we're just having a lot of fun right now. We are investing in South Jersey. So we're doing a combination of house hacking and burr investing. So by kind of doing those two strategies together, it's really helping us grow our portfolio. But we got to this point by doing a lot of things ourselves. So being like DIY investors and just now within the last couple of months, we're really trying to grow a little bit and create a more sustainable business model. I don't necessarily think scaling is the best word because we don't have dreams or aspirations of owning hundreds and hundreds of units, but we just want to get to a point where things are a little bit more streamlined and, and taking a little bit less of our time. Yeah, as, as DIYs, we're definitely getting to a point where we're looking to outsource a lot of the things that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and we see the value in that in us being in the growth part of our portfolio and looking to add more. Uh, on average, a renovation for us took about four months. So um, we're looking to try to scale that up and, and do a couple more properties a year. Definitely. And this is all stemming from we did a lot of self-reflection and digging this year with our goals and where we want our lives to be in the next five, 10 years. And we just realized what we were doing up to this point wouldn't really get us to our 10-year goal. So if it's not going to work, we got to switch it up. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, no, I love that. It's a lot of good stuff there. I mean, you guys, you guys have perspective and I talk a lot about that on our podcast, you know, knowing where you're at, knowing where you want to be and knowing what your goals are. And then, you know, making a list of that or writing your goals down and then taking action. I mean, that's only going to give us more chance of success to accomplish those goals. So how did you guys realize, I guess, from being do-it-yourselfers, you know, DIYers and taking on these challenges, you've probably learned a lot of what you're good at, 
maybe what you can outsource and, and you know, feel a bit more productive with. How, how did you take what you were doing and reflect back that, reflect that back on yourselves and make the determination of where to change to what would work better for what you're doing? Yeah, so when we first started out, um, I, neither of us, I, I had some handy experience, but never a full renovation and managing a full renovation. And those are two totally different things. Um, we jumped into a house hack duplex. So we'll rewind to our first property. It was a house hack duplex. And we thought that that was a really easy way to jump into investing. Um, it was a HUD property, so it was unoccupied. It was really dilapidated, so it was a, it was a good Burr property. Um, but we didn't know how to go about renovating. So steps and, and everything that go into it, you know, we knew how to do it, but scheduling, creating a budget, creating a scope of work, it was, that was totally out of our element. But the fact that it was our house made it a little less stressful. Definitely. And by, and exactly what you said, by going through the DIY process, we now know how to do everything. And the way that we think about it in terms of like, what should we outsource? I really like it as framing it in a way as heavy versus light. So it's not necessarily like, what are we bad at or what are we good at? Because you could argue either way that of you should be doing certain tasks, but like heavy versus light is like, how does that jive with your soul? So when you do something, even if it's time consuming, and even if you could outsource it, if it feels light to you, then maybe it's something you should continue doing because it aligns with you, aligns with your values and your strengths. And then there might be something that you, you're good at, but it might just feel like super heavy. And that's when it gets most draining. And I think that's what we're trying to be more aware of is like, where is our energy going? Because there are big tasks that could feel light and don't necessarily take up a lot of energy. And so that's how we've been framing it as we're trying to figure out what are we outsourcing and what are we going to keep doing ourselves? Awesome. Yeah. And it's about, it's like that balance, you know, the things that you can do maybe quickly and easily, it's a trade-off of where you can save time versus save money and what makes the most sense for you guys. And having each other, I would imagine helps a lot, you know, being the fact, the fact that you guys are a couple, uh, you're married, right? Yeah. We are. Yeah. So you guys are a team in, in life, you're a team in business, and I would imagine you hold each other accountable with, you know, regards to more than just investing, but that really helps regardless if you're in a relationship or not having another person, you know, maybe if you're doubting yourself or you're not sure if you're doing something right, having somebody else to kind of just push you or help you. Uh, I mean, that goes a long way in regards to whether it's real estate investing or in life in general. So the fact that you guys did, you know, you started off doing a lot of the work yourselves, you've put a lot of extra experience into your toolbox. So going forward, even if you're not doing it yourself, you're also going to be able to identify maybe if somebody's not doing it right or not doing it the way you want it. So a lot of good stuff there, a lot of good experience gained, I would imagine. But can you tell us, so you guys are doing um, house hacking and burr investing. Can you talk, tell us a little bit about that, what that means and how you guys got started in, in, into the uh, house hacking? Yeah, so uh, house hacking is buying a residential multifamily, moving into one unit and renting out the other units. And there's, I mean, there are so many benefits to that, whether owner occupant financing, you get better rates, um, and it's just a, to, to be the first time um, management and have your tenant be living right downstairs. I mean, that makes it really easy, especially if you're on the hunt for a house anyway. Like her and I, we, we were going to, we were engaged to be married. We weren't married yet, but we were looking for our first house, knew that we wanted it to be an investment. So that the house hack was, was a perfect way to get into it. Yeah. We just felt like you're going to have a house anyway. And usually a house kind of becomes a liability because it's not this huge mortgage. So how can we frame it in a way where it could help us reach our financial goals 
without setting us back. So if you house hack, you could actually switch it from a liability to an asset now. And it just becomes a little bit less risky because like Kyle said, you're going to have to pay a mortgage anyway. So if let's say you buy your house hack and for whatever reason you go over budget with the renovation or maybe you can't find Which a Which we did. Yeah, oh, of course, <laughs> your first deal. It's a lot of learning experiences. Um, but we, we weren't as scared because it's our home first and an investment second. And so there was just kind of like a lot of safety nets there. But it was a good way to get into it analyzing as mm -hmm. well because we bur essentially we burned it but we left some money in the deal like yes we could have pulled all of it out all of our renovation cost out but it would have affected that cash flow I and mean, we want that property to cash flow well so we opted to once we ran the numbers and saw what we could leave in to put um to really allow it to continue to cash flow so that's that's something else to look at so just because you got all that money into it you don't have to necessarily take it all out yeah and then one of my favorite things about house hacking is it basically eliminates or drastically reduces your living expenses so it sets you up personally to be able to take more financial risk and to be in a better financial situation and so the time that we lived there i think we had to pay about 50 dollars a month uh towards our like overall payment you know mortgage taxes insurance and so to not have to pay a thousand dollars in rent or fifteen hundred to a mortgage or something that set us up really well that we can then go grow a portfolio and even if it wasn't real estate investing that we were into house hacking in general is just like a good starting point because then you could use that money to save um for maybe a nicer house or to pay off student loan debt or to just invest in maybe um more conventional ways like IR, you know, Roth IRAs or something. So it's just like a great way to really set you up financially. And then it set us up realistically for our second property because we were, when we first got into it, we were looking at residential multifamilies. That was what we were focused on, finding residential multifamilies. We were able to save enough that our second property was a single family home. And we made the realization that instead of having a doors goal, we were going to have a cash flow goal. So let's diversify and let's stop focusing on getting multifamilies with a lot of doors. And if a single family cash flows really well, let's start adding that to the portfolio. So that's what we ended up doing. The, the multifamily house hack would not have what allowed us to do that. Other properties would not have allowed us to do that. Yes. Yeah. And by trying all these different things, again, you're finding what works for you guys and what doesn't. And the fact that you recognize, you know, having a certain number of doors is not what's important. It's, it's that cash flow every month. I um, asked, what do you cash flow though? <laughs> all the time, because that's <laughs> like, what's I don't important. care how many doors you have. <laughs> exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Unless you're just trying to brag to people. I mean, it's really, everybody's doing it as an investment. The other point I really like that you said is when you're going, going for a burr, even if you don't, you know, to return all the capital back to yourself. And you have, if you leave some in there so that you do cash flow, that's still a great investment. Also, one other thing that you said was that by doing a house hack, you're basically your mortgage for yourselves was $50 a month. So for our listeners, what that means was is that they bought a personal home that was like one, two or more units and they're renting the other units out to other people who were paying them rent, which in turn they were using to pay their mortgage. So at the end of the day, it cost them about $50 a month. So, I mean, that right there alone it allows you to live a lot more freely. You know, you don't have to worry as much about your income coming in to pay your mortgage. And I'm, I'm sure that a, was a huge eye opener as it is for so many people. So how long have you guys been doing this stuff? About three and a half to four years. We bought our first place May of 2017. So that was when we got our first duplex or house hacking. And since then we've bought, we're at five properties now. Some of them are multi. So we're at uh, eight. eight units. Yep. Nice. In three years, huh? Yeah, it's been fun. And like, 
It's, it's been a, a wild ride. And, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, sharing it on social media and documenting it. And we've just been having so much fun doing that. And it's fun to see other people who are doing it as well and kind of converse with them. So social media has been a great aspect of investing. And I would, I would suggest to anybody that's really getting into it, jump into the social media game, if not to learn, but to document, because I just said to Lauren last night, you know, when you're trying to memorize something and really learn something, you write it a bunch of times. You know, when you, when you talk about things, you are, te- you are learning yourself just talking about it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, honestly, that's why I love going to networking groups, uh, talking real estate with my buddies or anybody that's in my networks that's into real estate or talking about it on a podcast. I mean, even if you're, you don't have to be an expert, but by talking about it to other people, you're reinforcing what you know to yourself and learning some things. Maybe, maybe you thought you knew that were wrong. I mean, having that conversation and writing them down too, I'm the same way. It's like that I'm a creature of habit. If I write something down, it kind of hammers it into my head. But back to getting started, what was it for you guys that really, you know, was there a, a moment in time that you guys said, you know, this is what we want to do? Or how did, you, how did you get started with all this? There was definitely like a mixture of a few things. I would say there was a point when we were... We were still dating at the time yeah, and we were yeah. starting to think about, cause we met in college. So in college, you're not thinking about the future at all. And we're, we're starting to think about like, okay, like what, you know, we're going to buy a house soon, but what should we do? We had graduated then at this time. Yeah. Yeah. We were graduated and we just started really thinking about our life a little bit more. And we were both in our careers and we're like, okay, well, um, so Kyle's in law enforcement. And so he has to retire at the age 55. And a lot of times people after they retire at 55 will then go get another job. And I was like, wouldn't that just be so cool though, if after you retire at 55, we can both just retire and that'd yeah. be it. And then we kind of fig- heard of like the retire early community. And of course, Red Rich Dad Poor Dad, like a lot of people. And that just completely shifted our mindset. Yeah. And I had some cash um, savings in the bank. And so we're trying to figure out what to do with that. So it's just really like all these conversations were all coming together on the same time of like our future, our finances, and then just like smart ways of investing. And then we wanted to buy a house. And we stumbled upon house hacking and real estate investing. And it all just clicked that all of these things could kind of be solved with real estate. We can retire early. We can make sure we're financially independent. We can, you know, buy our first house and have it still be an asset. We can figure out a way where we're not going to be employees our whole life. So it just, it just clicked. And, and like you said, you know, you do the first deal, you realize how much it has significantly, um, lessened your monthly payment and we were just hooked we're like wow this is there's a lot of power here and we got to keep going prior to your first deal the fear is like so palpable. much yeah <laughs> it feels like it you know everything that you are going to choose to do the first time is going to be wrong and that's not the case just once you once you get into when you get into that first deal and you complete that first deal you're going to laugh at the things that were so stressful to you or what felt so heavy at the time I mean, it's that after the fact, the things that you were worried about were, no, were not a big deal. And no. something that may have stumbled you up a little bit was something that you, you know, didn't even think of, right? But yeah. by, do, by, by doing the first one, that taught you guys, taught, teaches all of us to go, when we go into the second one, some things to look for, you know, but we're always learning. We're always going to make mistakes. We're always going to miss stuff. I mean, it's a never, the journey never ends, right? But if you don't start, you're never going to learn and you're never, you're never going to get to the second deal or to the third opportunity. Let's talk about a burr for a minute. You guys seem to be really specializing in the burr strategy. Is that something you're still implementing or was that just when you were getting started? Yeah. So that was, um, 
that was our third property was well, we our, technically burned our first one. Well, we did, yeah. we did, but like I said, we left money into that deal. Yeah. So it wasn't essentially a perfect burn. Right. right. We did a single family. It was very dilapidated. We actually put, uh, had a lot of different strategies we utilized for that third property. Um, we, it was an off market deal. We worked directly with the seller. Um, first time then, using private money. First time using private money. And um, that house, we were able to do a perfect burr, um, en enough to purchase, renovate, pull out, uh, well, cash out refi, and pay off our lender, and then have enough that we essentially bought or put our down payment on our three family with. Yeah, um, so we love the burr strategy, and we're still doing it. That's how we plan to kind of keep growing our portfolio. If you uh, just keep putting 20 to 25% down on turnkey properties. You could run out of money pretty quickly. And you are going to run out yeah. of money. I mean, yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah. And yeah. so burning is a great way to kind of recycle your funds. And then yeah. you, you couple that with private money and you're able to help out. A lot of times you end up, uh, private investors end up being people that you care about and friends and family of yours. So you end up making them money while you yourself are, you know, creating some assets for your business. absolutely it's, it's recycling that capital it's leveraging you know private hard money and it doesn't have to be a, a, a bad deal where one side is is losing out it's good for everybody your friends and family can make money too so i guess talk us through the birth strategy for those that may not be as familiar with it what does that mean how does it work and what's the point of it Definitely. so i'll start us off because we are right now in the process of finding our next bird um we like to drive for dollars. So we're driving around neighborhoods in a target market that we already know. And we're looking for those houses that are overgrown. The roofs look all dilapidated. Those rundown homes. They're the ones that we're jotting down the addresses for and finding the owners. And then maybe sending mailers out. So we're sending, we have a, on our Instagram page, we have a template of one of our posts on what we put into these mailers. And we'll send these mailers out to the owners of these properties. Mm -hmm. So that's buy. <laughs> yeah. And then the next uh, letter in the acronym is renovate. So of course we're looking for, like Kyle mentioned, houses that are in disrepair. So we renovate them, we bring them up to um, a quality that's in demand in the market. Then you, some people do this in a different order, but we'll rent at this point. So we place a tenant in there. We have a signed lease. So we bought it, we renovated it, we're renting it. Then the next one you want to do is refinance it. So you are using, usually, you could do this with conventional loans, but you're usually using cash because you're buying properties for super cheap. And I'll, let's tie this to property number three that Kyle mentioned. So we bought it for 25,000. We renovated it for 40,000. We placed a tenant for 1325. And then we refinanced it. So it got appraised for 117,000. So 75%, I forget what it, it came out like to. It was 80, like 87,000. Yeah, like so we were able to cash out, bring back to us tax-free 87,000, pay off the money we borrowed to pay off the four or five, the 65,000. And then we were able to take the remaining funds and do the last R in the Burr acronym, which is repeat. We didn't necessarily go burr it as the repeat, yeah. <laughs> but we took that money as a down payment for a triplex that we house hacked. So we're kind of like tandeming using the house hack and the burr strategy. Which is super important because we actually were able to use that slush to buy a, pro a, a three family in our higher end market, mm -hmm. which is very important for us to really diversify. So after 30 years, and then a lot of people look at this, maybe I might I cash flow a lot now. 
we do cash flow, but it's not as much as obviously the market that we burr in. Mm -hmm. uh, but after 30 years, you have a, a much more expensive property. Exactly. But to kind of round up the burring thing, you would in theory repeat and go burr again. So yeah, yeah. that initial 65,000 in theory, we can just go buy another property, buy another property, buy another property and basically take this 65,000. That's not even ours to begin with. We're yeah. just, you know, paying interest on it and build an entire portfolio that pays you every month for as long as you own it. Yeah. And, uh, and what you're left with like on your third property is an investment investment that's paying you cash flow and none of your money is in the deal. You, you've got all your money back or you may not even put any of yours in to begin with. And then you can repeat it. But like you guys said, you guys went on and you decided to just make another investment in another market which is again great because you guys have a goal and you have a plan and you know what you want to do. You wanted to diversify for whatever reason, you may not want all your properties in one market. You want them spread out a little bit, maybe have better stability in certain areas. Um, do you guys, are you guys renting or I'm sorry, are you guys self-managing all your properties right now? We, we are, are. Yes. Okay. She's, she's managing. I, I don't, I don't touch that. I do project management. That's the closest to managing I do. So that's a lot of different hats. Earlier when we were talking about DIY, you know, you mentioned that being able to do construction or being able to do renovations is different than project managing, right? So owning rental properties is totally different than managing rental properties. You guys seem to be taking on all these challenges, which is good because you learn a lot, but it, it, wearing a lot of hats can be a challenge as well. What do you, what's your opinion for others that are trying to get started or wanting to get started about self-managing versus outsourcing the management? Of course. So in the beginning, you have to think about what do you have and what can you leverage? And in the beginning, we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of time. So it made sense for us to self-manage because we didn't want to outlay that monthly fee to them every month. And we had a small portfolio, so I didn't mind doing it. And it was something I was interested in. Again, this, this felt like to me, I was excited. I, I liked reading the books. I liked reading landlord tenant law. And especially in this phase right now where we're still active, actively growing our portfolio, cash flow and money means a lot to us. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to continue to self-manage until, I don't know, maybe some situations change. Maybe we grow our family. We don't have as much time anymore, but we are aware of that. And so we've been really trying to implement systems and processes to make it as easy for me as possible. And we're doing that by using different types of software, like rent collection through Cozy applications. Um, and there are some things we'll outsource, you know, um, we'll, in the future, we could have a real estate agent do our showings for us instead of me physically going down and showing. You don't have to hire everything out to a property manager, but if you're the type of person who are like, hey, maybe you don't have a lot, a lot of money, but I got a little money to work with and I have no time, then yeah, using a property manager might be best for you. Or you might have the time, but you don't really necessarily care. Maybe you're not a people person, you um, hate getting into disagreements or you don't like confrontation, maybe you should move yourself from the property management point of view as well. So there's just a lot of things. You have to know yourself, know how much resources you have available and see, you know, what aligns with your goals. And right now I don't mind doing it. So we're, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. And most importantly, when, when, and I don't know how everyone out there is analyzing their deals, but we use the bigger pockets calculator. Mm -hmm. And just because we're self-managing now does not mean that we don't account for that. When we analyze, we still set that aside for reserves for two reasons. One, she's not going to do it for free. So we, we want to allot that payment coming in. And then also when we do hand it off, we know that that property is going to cash flow once we start allotting um, that payment to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a great point. So when you're analyzing the deal, you know, factoring in management, even though you know you're going to do it, 
Correct. For one, you have an extra buffer in there, you know, and then two, if for whatever reason, at some point you decide to change, switch directions and outsource your management, you know that you're still going to cash flow and it's not going to affect the bottom line, which is awesome because when, you know, it is a lot of this is coming back to, again, just being self-aware, reflecting on what your guys' goals are and knowing what works for you. So you mentioned a minute ago that, you know, when you first got started, you had a lot of time and maybe not a ton of money. And this was almost like a hobby for you. So you liked to do it. So for you doing all these things, wasn't, wasn't really a nuisance to you. It was probably enjoyable. That may not be the case from everybody, but the fact that you guys are aware of what your, your strengths are and maybe your weaknesses are, you know, you've, you've been able to strike that balance. It seems to take on the challenges that, that you can take on and then outsource the ones that may not be the right fit ultimately to get you to the goal that you're trying to achieve. Um, which it sounds like is financial freedom and time freedom of uh, early retirement. And that can mean a lot of different things. You know, people hear retirement, they think you just want to, you know, relax all day. It's, it's really just about escaping that, you know, that nine to five career and being able to choose your own destiny and, and have the time to do the things that you want to do and control your, your financial uh, stability. So really cool stuff. Um, where, what is, where are you guys going from here? What are your next steps? What are your next goals in, in the, the short term future? So, um, okay. So we just actually completed a series with bigger pockets, right. um, where it took a, just a ride along for the viewers of renovating one of our, our units in our three family. Um, we are now on our road to another bird property. So that's exactly what we're doing. I mentioned before, we've just completed driving for dollars. We, Put our list together and we're getting ready to send out some mailers we did have one round of mailers go out from a separate list um but right now yeah we're really driving for another burr property um in the short term but in the long term like our 10-year goal is looking for twenty thousand in cash flow and that's after reserves and all set aside uh profit coming to us twenty thousand in, in cash flow love it yeah love it and you guys just got started about three years ago so yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. And the driving for dollars thing, a lot of people hear that and they think, okay, that's what like a wholesaler would do. Basically, for those that aren't as familiar, you're, you're riding around looking for houses that need have maybe a lot of deferred maintenance or dilapidated, maybe distressed condition from an ownership standpoint. And you're sending them letters that say, we'll buy your house from, from you for cash. You know, typically a wholesaler will get that under contract and assignable contract and then go to their network of investors and try to turn it over to an investor and just make a couple thousand dollars in the difference in the transaction, but you guys are finding the opportunities and finding the deals this way. I, I, I've been following along on Instagram and I've seen you guys putting out the mailers, which is awesome. How's that been working for you guys so far? And what's that experience been like? We did a set back in the summer and we sent out about 50, 50 to 60 letters and we're super targeted. Like a lot of people be like, you're not going to get anything from such a small list. You need to send out thousands. You need to cast your net wider, but we're super targeted on who we're sending to, uh, only houses that fit our criteria. So from the 50 to 60 letters we sent out over the summer, we actually got a deal. We closed it back in October. Awesome. Um, it was tenant occupied, so we're not doing a full burr yet, but when they naturally turn over, we'll be able to you know, finish out those remaining R's in the acronym. And then we just dropped some more last week. Haven't received any calls yet, but we're constantly building our list and sending out letters, so we're excited. Yeah, well, I mean, this second batch of mailers, we were kind of like hesitant to send out just because it's kind of falling into the holiday season. You know, sometimes people aren't home, they may get overlooked, um, but, something to focus on. We send our mailers and they're very personal. 
for us, uh, non-corporate, non-business feel. Um, and that's really kind of the, the feeling you want to put out there is that we're not trying to sell yeah. something. We're not trying yeah. to scam something. Um, and like I said, the template that we, we utilize, like she created, and I think it's great. And it really, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, I love that because like, like the whole wholesaling and the direct mailers can catch a bad rap. You know, sometimes people get um, a little unhappy when people are sending a mailers asking to buy their house. And, you know, whether that's true or not, not all wholesalers are bad, you know, but dealing with the homeowner yourselves and you guys are the end buyer, there's a lot more transparency there. And I think taking that more personal level approach is key and if it doesn't work for them it really shouldn't work for you guys either nobody wants to take advantage of anybody so i like the fact that you said that because really you know it's it's when you're buying a house like this if it's distressed the person may not be in a great situation in life and it's really meant to help them as much it is it is as it is to help you but the good thing about mailers is that can create that you know that that unity there for it's a, a way to connect with those people um and it probably t it's going to take a lot of mailers to maybe get one or two it's not overnight and the fact that you send some mailers out and don't get a response i mean you're not going to get any for sure if you don't try right so yeah, absolutely yeah. and in a time like right now where the mls is just exploding, oh, yeah that everything is pending and contingent and you can't find anything when it's on the market it's gone the next day and it's cash and it's over asking price the off market is now when you kind of want to focus on that or maybe you spend your time right now maybe sit getting financing set up. If you're going to use private money or something like that, maybe you don't get your property right now. Maybe you, you line up those, those potential investors. Yeah. No, that the fact about the multiples, I mean, the market's crazy. There's such a demand, not that you can't find the deals out there, but you really have to be prepared. Like you said, they, they go quick and uh, you got to make sure your pencil's sharpened and you know, your numbers because the margins have been pretty, have been cut pretty slim. So looking, you know, not just sitting around saying, well, I can't get a deal right now because the, the, the market's too hot. You guys are, you know, exploring other avenues and doing what you've got to do to try to land that next deal. So love everything you guys are doing. You guys sound like you're, you keep very busy with all this stuff. What do you do for fun? Do you ever have any time for fun? What do you guys do when you're not, you know, finding deals to, uh, to burr? We have a little bit of free time. Uh, obviously with COVID right now, it's, it's rough. <laughs> Uh, but in the summer, we're huge beach people. We're constantly down the Jersey shore, um, doing a mixture of, uh, you know, surfing, running, love to hike. Kyle is a big golfer. He's gone like all the time right now, just golfing well into, into the winter basically. Um, but besides that, I mean, we love to travel. We can't wait till that's allowed again. Um, really anything outdoors, snowboarding, fishing, boating, like nice. to get our boat back on the water. So nice, nice snowboarding, huh? Yeah, yeah we're, we're trying to plan a trip now. We used to do a, an annual trip to Killington and awesome. it was like a big group of us and it, we loved it. And everyone's kind of going their separate ways. So we're trying to get it back together. Yeah, no, I do that. I do that same thing. Uh, my buddies and I, we snowboard and I used, we used to go to Killington, you know, big group, rent a house, have a good time. Yep. Last few years, we've actually been going out west, you know, and uh Ever since we've gone west, we've kind of gotten away from the Killington uh, trips. But regardless of where you go, go on these trips, good friends, good time, having fun snowboarding. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I keep hearing Park City is like awesome. It's legit. Park City. I've gone to Colorado a lot. So like Breckenridge, Vail. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, all those places. I mean, I, I try to get to a different one every year if I can. But uh, I mean, anything out there is good. So you, you can't really go wrong. But uh, 
I don't know. But anyways, back to the show. Um, so that's really cool. That's really good stuff. I'm gonna, we've got a little segment I like to call advice from our best guest. Uh, it's three questions just to try to help our listeners out there get started if they haven't. Uh, question number one, what is one thing that you would recommend people can t- do right now to take action and get started in investing? I would say don't listen to another podcast or read another book or watch another YouTube video until you do something that you took from this interview and implement it. I think we get so stuck in like thinking that because we're listening to more podcasts or reading more books that we're being productive and we're working on towards our goal, but we're actually procrastinating, but we're just validating the procrastination. So once you consume something, if there was a takeaway from it, do that takeaway before you move on to another consumable. Great advice. That's great advice. And that right there, what you said is something that our listeners can take away from this podcast. So perfect answer. Number two, one thing that you guys would do differently now that you're this far along in the process that uh, you might not do the second time around that maybe our listeners might be able to avoid running into. So the renovated by room. Yeah. So we, uh, because we were DIYing um, and we didn't know how to go about doing a full project renovation, we did it uh, unit by unit, and that's absolutely not how you want to do it. You want to do it trade by trade. So uh, whether you're running plumbing from unit one to unit two, you're going to do all your plumbing at once. So develop your scope of work, do it um, by the trade and not by the unit. Yeah. And what we kind of like to expand on that a little bit, we were so overwhelmed by renovating two basically houses, if you will, in a duplex that we were like, let's break it down into small projects. We're like, let's renovate the kitchen first and then the bathroom. And then you have your plumbers and your electricians coming out like seven times and it's super inefficient. So, and then another thing that to add to that, I kind of wish, all right. So in most of the United States, if you are buying the properties in your name, you can act as the general contractor. You do not have to actually hire a contractor. You can hire the subs yourself and pull permits and and submit permits. I would have done that a little bit sooner and done a little bit more of the project management instead of swinging the hammer a lot. Um, So now I'm scrambling to find a carpenter, essentially replacing myself. Um, I, I almost wish that after our first property, I did more of that. That's what we're doing now. Because we have so much of our team like solidified already. And the carpenter is like that last piece. So it feels weird to us that we're like this far into our business. And we, there's still that missing team member that we don't have. And we, it's not, we don't have anyone right now. So no, that's, I mean, you're speaking my language. I, I, we had, I run into the same challenges. It's always great when you can line, you know, have your trades, your, your partners in place. Carpenters are always, a good carpenter is always a hard one to find. And seems like sometimes when you find one, then a good, your electrician is not available anymore for some reason, for whatever <laughs> reason. Um, but one thing I wanted to point out, what you said earlier about doing it room by room versus the, the, the you know, going through trade by trade, that's kind of common sense. You know, if you don't know, that's what you think. If you're, uh, your fear is of being overwhelmed with a large project, you're like, well, let's just do a little area at a time. But in retrospect, you guys, you guys learn, it makes more sense and is actually more efficient and more easy if you do it in stages throughout the whole uh, project, the whole house, whether it's the demolition of everything first and then the rough-ins of all your plumbing for a second and then your electrical and so on and so on. It actually helps streamline the project and make it less work overall for everybody. So good advice there as well. Number three, do you guys have one book recommendation you can give our listeners out there to, uh, to help them learn more about all of the topics we've been discussing today? Gosh, there's so many. I'll just jump in. Um, my, which is actually propping up our laptop right now to bring it to eye level. Um, 
because I'm a huge DIYer, it's Black & Decker line of books, Home Depot line of books, and um, obviously it's not holding that, but YouTube. <laughs> you can learn so much from those two lines of books, Black & Decker and Home Depot, and then jump on YouTube. And as a DIYer, I can, I learn everything. Yeah. And I'm going to add a second one just because if, if someone's listening and they're like, this is like their first really kind of like bit within the real estate and they haven't done a lot of research, we're going to recommend an, a seven page ebook. Super awesome. Brandon Turner wrote an ebook called seven years to seven figures wealth, seven figures wealth. And it is a great, easy to consume little mindset book that frames out what real estate investing looks like. And that's actually what I had printed out and handed to Kyle. It was like, like five years ago in the morning before she had already done a lot of the reading prior to, and wait, I wake up and she's like, Hey, read this. And she like throws me these like seven printouts. And I like, I sat in bed and read it. And I was from then on, I was hooked. It was, it was awesome. It was, I definitely, good point. I well, that's good. I mean, obviously if you guys can both remember that point in time as your, your, oh, yeah. your light bulb moment where you're right. like, we, because we, we always go. get the question, like, how do you convince your spouse? And I think first, it's you can't convince them, um, but you can educate them and enlighten them. And the book just does a really great job of, like, instead of me trying to explain what I just spent, like, a couple weeks devouring, I was like, here, here's this nice little book. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. And I like the, the do-it-yourself recommendation. That's a little more unique than you typically hear. Um, you know, because if you're planning on doing some of the renovations or doing the renovations yourself, that's a huge, that's its own industry, you know, so learning that along with the business of real estate investing, good advice. Um, I really appreciate you guys joining me today. I know a lot of our listeners are already fans, but for those out there that are not familiar, how can people connect with you guys and learn more about what it is you're doing? We are most active on Instagram. So hit us up there at rentals to wealth, send us a DM. We try to answer every single one. Um, that's probably our best way. We do have a blog, rentalswealth.com, and then we are launching our own YouTube channel, hopefully in January. If this, is, if this comes out and it's not live yet, please DM us and yell at us. Um, but we're, like Kyle said, we're doing a series kind of called Road to Our Next Burr, and we're going to bring you along with us and teach you step-by-step step, everything we're doing. We'll share the mistakes, we'll share the successes, and hopefully we could kind of go on this adventure together. This is an exclusive announcement, because <laughs> we haven't really put this out there yet, like okay. that this is happening. So Awesome, well, thank you for, for thank you for making the announce, on the announcement here on the Invest Nest. Um, I'm gonna make sure all of our listeners know to follow along with your, with your next journey. And I really appreciate the fact that you guys are sharing your journey and giving people out there that maybe are, a little afraid of taking that first step, you know, some insight into your lives and what you guys are doing with real estate investing, good and bad. I mean, that's helpful for all of us. So, you know, again, one of the great things I like about you guys is that you are very self-aware. You guys have good perspective. You know what you're after, you know what your goals are, and then you take the action to put that plan in place and go get it. So really cool stuff. Thanks again, you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really been looking forward to having you on the show. I hope you guys have a safe and happy holiday and uh, you know, hopefully we can get you back again sometime. Thank you. Too, you. So much fun. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right. Awesome. See you all later. Thank you. So a big thanks to Lauren and Kyle for joining me today. That was a lot of fun. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed that as much as I did. And if you are enjoying the podcast so far, please hit the subscribe button. Of course, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the invest nest. And uh, yeah, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining me as always. And I do want to wish everyone a very happy and safe holiday season. 
and a happy new year. Hopefully 2021 is a little better than 2020. But uh, yes, stay safe, everyone. Happy holidays. And I really appreciate you joining me again this week. I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and we'll see you next time on the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Thank you for joining us on the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today.